Welcome back to the NIL Hotline. Galen Clavio, Olivia Clavio, joining you once again. How you doing? It's been a little while since we got a chance to chat. Your your internet's cleared up now. It's great. It is. I have now come into possession of a lovely Ethernet cable. So hopefully we'll be able to actually run this without me losing my signal every five seconds. <laughs> so. Those, it makes all the difference in the world. It's, it's quite lovely, actually. So anyway, uh, I wanted to have you start off with some things that have occurred to you or been interesting to you in terms of the world of, of NIL. What is on your mind as we go into this week? Right. So I think one thing that is interesting to me is really what benefits the brands are actually getting from these NIL deals. And the more I started to think about it, um, there's definitely, of course, national advertising that we tend to see on national networks. But a lot of this advertising is going to be very niche. It's going to be by school, by region, by athlete. And I'm sure if you've been following some of these deals and actually some of the massive price tags that they're putting on these deals for the athletes, I wonder if this is really going to pay off for the brands. It's kind of uncharted territory. Now, influencers aren't necessarily uncharted territory, but the influencers that we've seen and we've seen been built up have definitely been what I consider national influencers. You always do have micro influencers and a micro influencer is usually defined as somebody that's got at least 10,000 followers on one type of social platform. But this is this is a little bit different, I think, just in terms of how niche, um, you know, these these deals are going to be. So just wondering kind of your thoughts, Galen, on on the deals and what you see the marketing agencies doing and the brands doing and how this might unfold, uh, you know, especially moving into the into the next year. No, I, I appreciate the question. And it is a really interesting one. And it to some degree strikes at the fundamental heart of the problem that most people have with getting their head wrapped around name, image, and likeness. This is something that I've talked about with some different groups here lately, because a lot of the way that NIL was presented to people was, oh, athletes are going to go partner with a local company or a national company. Bryce Young does Dr. Pepper ads last year. Okay, clearly Bryce Young is going to get paid by Dr. Pepper for the utilization of his name, image, and likeness. Pretty straightforward. The flip side of that, though, is that um, as you said, there aren't that many bankable athletes for just their name, image, and likeness. If all you're taking into account is their ability to push product or push a service or increase the the brand awareness of a particular organization or company. And that's where NIL deals, for all the people that were arguing, well, this can't be pay for play, to some degree, of course it's pay for play because you've got deals being signed by people or for athletes by companies that probably aren't going to match the actual amount of money that they will make back. There are certainly going to be businesses in that area, but where a lot of this money is going is essentially as a, okay, we're going to sponsor you as an athlete and pay X amount of dollars because we want to associate our brand with your brand. Mm -hmm. And there's intangible benefits to that. Uh, there's indirect benefits to that. There's also direct benefits to it in terms of, oh, we have a really successful athlete. Maybe that generates and stir, you know, steers some business our way. But it's also 
we now can claim an affiliation with somebody that's very important to the athletic structure of the school that we want to be accompanying, you know? So it's like, I'm a bank in Indianapolis. If I want to associate myself with IU athletics, the only way I had to do that up to this point really was either donating directly to the university or donating to the varsity club or buying like signage through the, the rights holder for, you know, for IU athletics that's not really how it works now. Now I have this alternate area of, of, oh, I can actually essentially sponsor an athlete directly. And, you know, if I sign a $500,000 deal for a starting quarterback and that quarterback comes in, are they going to give me $500,000 worth of services? Probably not. But the affiliation there, it's really how college athletics works. Like people ask, why did, why do colleges have athletic departments in the first place? And I think I've mentioned this on the show already. It's not because, oh, we make X amount of dollars off of ticket sales or even television revenue. It's that we make hundreds of millions of dollars at the highest levels of college athletics in indirect marketing and alumni service benefits that we wouldn't be able to ever actually purchase for ourselves by our school being successful in athletics. And I think that's, that to me is at the fundamental heart of a lot of these NIL deals it's not a like for like. And if you go in thinking it's a like for like, Olivia, you're probably going to be very confused as to why people are doing this in the first place. Right. Well, and of course, you know, most traditional marketing has gone off of cost per click, cost per view. And you're right. This is something that's going to be completely different because you've got athletes who have amassed a following and that following is probably on the very low demographic side of, you know, 16 to 18, 16 to 20, um, they're going to be very young. So some traditional services that you might attach to those banking, for instance, car dealerships, there are some goods and services that are, are not going to be hitting that demographic, right? So it's not going to be your traditional, oh, each, you know, million, if you've got a million followers, you can calculate you know, the amount of money per view. It's just not going to be that way. Well, in some cases it can be. I mean, Angel Reese, who, you know, of course, is the star course, yeah. <laughs> uh, forward for for LSU women's basketball, has 1.7 million followers on Instagram. Like, you're going to be able to monetize that. That's going to be really attractive to whatever company decides that they want to partner. Even Sydney Parrish from IU, I mean, she has 127,000 followers just on Instagram. Then you add in the TikTok audience and things like that. And I do think to some degree there, you know, it feels like for a lot of companies, people under the age of 23 are a black box. Like nobody really understands how to reach them. Nobody really understands what they're interested in. And the idea has been, oh, well, here are these influencers who in this case are college athletes have access to that group of people. A lot of people have chosen to follow them. We're going to assume through, I don't know, osmosis or, uh, you know, some 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 mystical thing we don't understand that by associating our brand with that person, we're going to get at the end of it business that we wouldn't get otherwise, whether that's business that's happening today or whether that's business that's happening five years from now. I think that's the key right there. It's the long game. I, I think that the marketing brands are going to try to play the long game. And, you know, athletes might, as we've talked about before, go into the portal or perhaps they don't perform the way that they should. And I think what we're going to find is a lot of metamorphosis between uh, how this how these NIL deals are being transferred from player to player, maybe from sport to sport. 
we're going to see more marketing analytics pop up and they'll be able to really see what the benefit of this of yeah. these deals are in about two to five years, I think. Well, and, and look, I think as one of the early mantras of this show has been, you're going to see this space changing a lot over time. I mean, you know, because a lot of companies are jumping in to NIL arrangements with with kind of intermediate companies or collectives because they don't want to not be in the space if it takes off and works well for them but they may not be there in five years. I mean, you go through and look at some of the recent deals that have been noteworthy, like, um, you know, uh, MOGL, uh, or excuse me, or M yeah, the, which is basically like a, um, it's a, it's a brand marketplace for college athletes just partnered with NBC sports athlete direct um, as they're trying to, you know, basically figure out ways to, you know, to, to broaden the marketplaces where brands can connect with athletes. We saw yeah. Papa John's of Iowa partnered with the Iowa-backed NIL collective. Um, the, the Lincoln Airport has partnered with uh, Nebraska baseball players. That's like, so these are very disparate types of organizations and businesses. Mm -hmm. But I do think the core principle behind all of this is pretty straightforward, which is that there's clearly some kind of brand value. And what that brand value is, is probably going to be different depending on what your brand does. Like, I don't know how much, like, I don't, I've never understood, like, what's the benefit of like an airport going and partnering with athletes to say, hey, the, the airport's awesome. Like, okay. Whether or not I thought the airport was awesome, I was probably going to fly in and out of there anyway, because I don't know if you've ever been to Lincoln, Olivia, but there's not a lot else close to it. I, uh, I, think, the, I think the next closest major airport to Omaha, and I've driven from Omaha to Lincoln. That's not a fun drive. Um, I So I think that in a lot of cases, it's more, there's as much a public relations and indirect marketing aspect to this as there is a direct like-for-like -like services. And yes, maybe it's a long game, Maybe it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if it's like those companies that would participate in the things where you would buy the little card that would have all the food deals in it and the high school, like band members or football members would go around and sell it. Like, are you really making your money back there as a local business? Probably not. But are you demonstrating a support for the local athletics team? There's some social capital involved in that and, and the ability to be brand adjacent uh, it's funny, like when this happens in the Olympics, you know, you have official Olympic sponsors, but then you have non like uh, people that don't pay for the exclusivity of being the official Olympic sponsor, but they sp they sponsor Olympic athletes who are participating in the Olympics. And so there's an adjacent marketing tool there. And I think for some of NIL, it's a way to basically open up another layer of marketing opportunities and financial opportunities and just visibility for a brand that they might not be able to otherwise. And I think for athletes in particular in non-revenue sports, it allows you to further subdivide the marketplace and access populations that you might want to sell your business to that might not be reachable through the official sponsors that the athletic department has set aside, if that makes any sense. I, I think that that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Oh, for sure. It's, again, I think we're going to see a lot of different avenues open up, yeah. but there's a lot of niche, I think very niche marketing that's going to occur that didn't occur before. And I think the Olympics is a great example. I also wonder if we're going to see a little bit of ambush marketing in the NIL 
field. Um, you'll, you'll learn. I think ambush marketing as a concept is dumb. I've felt it for years. It's like the idea that you can purchase exclusivity in society is, I think, one of the biggest scams uh, in history because it, it doesn't actually exist. And the idea that, well, I paid for this and therefore everybody should stay away is um, it's fanciful. Uh, I don't think it's actually something that you can really like enforce in any setting. You, you normally see it at very big sporting events. You don't normally see it in collegiate athletics, but it might be interesting to see if it starts to occur. Well, but see, in uh, this case, and this is one of my big problems with the concept of ambush marketing, because it presumes a preeminence of one sponsor over another. And the idea that the athletes' rights, even in the Olympics, and I think especially in the Olympics, are somehow subordinate to the events, sales, and marketing. And, and I don't know if I, I've ever agreed with that, like especially in a, in a business and, and I think in college athletics where the actions of the individual athletes are just as important as the existence of the team branding and the dynamic that surrounds that or the organization that they're, they're participating under. Uh, I, I think that that is a, an old media preconception that in the digital media era just doesn't work. Agreed. I think that... I, I don't think it works. I, it's long been a concept, at least in on the legal side of things, that has caused a lot of um, strife amongst brands. And you tend to see that a lot during March Madness and the Super Bowl and the inability to tweet certain things, discuss certain things. Of course, you know, trademark issues with using March Madness, uh, Final Four, using Super Bowl. These are very... Um, heavily watched by each of those organizations. And a lot of times it's not even ambush marketing. It's just people being pissy about what they think they owe or own and, and what they think they're owed by an event. So anyway, that's a bigger topic for a different podcast, but uh, some good stuff to, to talk about here today. We'll, we'll be back later on in the week with more talk of NIL. There's some interesting stories coming down the pipeline as we continue to see more and more deals, we're also starting to see a lot of stories pop up of schools that are struggling in the NIL space for a variety of reasons. So we're going to delve into that later on in the week. But uh, Olivia, as always, a pleasure to chat with you. Looking forward to doing it again in the future. Sounds great. Talk to you all soon. Thanks to all of you. I'm Galen Clavio. For Olivia, this is the NIL Hotline. We'll catch you folks on the flip side. Come on, everybody.